Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. We believe relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. I'm your host, Katie Churchman, and in this episode, I'm talking with CEO of CRR Global, Marita Fridchon, about how to take the all tools and skills out of coaching sessions and into our everyday interactions. Across the conversation, we discuss how to make a difference in the places where we don't coach yet, bringing a different form of collective change through these small yet significant interactions, small acts of kindness, the power of positivity, and bringing a coaching mindset to our wider community systems. As well as being CEO of CRR Global, Marita Fritchon is a mentor to an ever-growing community of practitioners in the field of relationship systems work. Her primary focus in coaching is on systemic change, leveraging diversity, creative communication, deep democracy in conflict management, and the development of learning organizations. So without further ado, I bring you Marita Fridchon. Marita, welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. Hey, Katie, always good to sit with you. So you were reflecting on the very title of this show, Relationship Matters, and that brought you to our our theme of today. So tell me about what you're pondering on. You know, just the theme that we have that Relationship Matters. Now, often we have the slogan that fills in all sorts of things that says it matters from the living room to the boardroom to the Zoom room to whatever. And what I'm just so aware of on these podcasts is how we are doing it from mostly from the role as a professional coach or as a CEO of a professional coach training organization. And people are listening to it from similar places, but it's always with our coaching hat on in a more functional, professional role. And I would love to invite us today to be more in the conversation about how do we leverage and use our skills and tools with which we work and stand in the fact that relationship matters. How do we use it on the street? How do we use it in the store? How do we use it when somebody delivers a package? How do we use it there? We are the privileged and we are talking to the privileged, but there are people on the street and in everyday life that occupies the same space that we do, go through the same actions with much less privilege and in situations where their functional role is often what gets hammered. I love this topic. And I think it's it's so relevant to probably everyone listening to this. We've all been in that place where we've been, you know, in coach role and we've done some fine coaching all day. And then we've gone to the store and we've been rude or we've just disregarded the people around us. Or, or we align with the people that are rude to the checkout counter. It's like, so there's a place where inside or actively we may take sides Mm. and what i would love to do today is to sit in a place where if we don't take sides but if we look at what it is that we can bring that shifts a little bit in the direction of positivity that is a little bit of a helping hand reach for somebody that's in trouble how do we do that from that place of the skills and tools that we have but we will never probably coach these people. Although sometimes we end up doing that. So bringing a coach approach and the tools and skills to our day-to-day lives and where are the missed opportunities you see this the most, Marita? I think there's a confluence of two things that 
guide me to, to this conversation with you. The one is that a couple of months ago, Faith and I got contacted by somebody that has been doing odd jobs for us around the house, you know, handyman kind of things. And for a couple of times, I've tried to call him and just couldn't get a response. And, could, and at the moment, you know, things happen in this industry where people disappear or they move or they whatever. So at some stage, I thought, okay, time to find a different handyman. And then there was a call from him and he said, you know, apologized and said, I'm sorry that I didn't call back, but I'm in trouble because my wife and I are in trouble. And if we don't get help, we probably will have to divorce and we've got a baby and we can't find anybody to coach or to help us that we can afford. And in conversations with you and Faith, I somehow heard that you are coaches or that you work with this kind of stuff. I'm calling for help. So there was an interaction that allowed this person in a moment where they didn't know what to do to reach for us as coaches. But that came out of, a, and we ended up pro bono coaching them for a number of sessions. And for now, as far as we know, helped save the marriage. But that's one example. But that ability to reach came from an interaction with us as homeowners with somebody that did odd jobs for us. So again, it's that what is it that happened there, not as a role as a coach, but as a human being that then allowed somebody to reach in the way they did. So I think that's one situation where, or one example, where it felt like, hmm, I wonder what we did. And I think it's that way of being, even when we're not in the professional role as coach, that I'm inviting everybody to just begin to think about how do we interact with people that are part of our support system, but is on a very different level from us. Mm. So that's one example. The place where I want to hang out more with you about <laughs> is some of the stuff that happens in the grocery store. A couple of weeks ago, I ended up in a grocery store and I'm hoping to share more of the fun stories. But the gentleman that came in behind the counter recognized me. <laughs> he, he was fascinated by my name on my card and was asking something about. And he said, that's freak, John. So glad that you're the person that is my first client as my, on my shift here. What is it that had him greet me like that? So previous interactions clearly created this field. So I was checking out, loading my bag and different things. And as we were doing that, there was a sudden slamming sound on the counter to the uh, right of me. And we looked and there's a woman standing there and she banged a gallon of milk on the counter and say, thank you for forgetting my milk. Turned around, walked out. And I looked at him and said, what just happened? And he said, I, and I could see that he was upset and triggered. He said, I don't know. I've never, I don't know who that is. I just came on. I don't know what happened. And he was clearly really upset. And just so you know, when I talk to managers of these chain grocery stores, the stuff that happened to their cashiers are often really, really disturbing. So I could see that this was like on his first client was standing there and already there was something like that happening. There's a part of me that one that was also a little bit triggered and was like, I just stopped. And I turned to him and said, you know, 
I really am sorry that happened. And I'm wondering what happened to her before she came here? What happened in her life? Because sometimes the things that come our way really hasn't anything to do with us. It has to do with other things in their life. And he looked down and stood there for a while. And the person behind me in the line also said, you know, that's so true. And then he said, thank you. I've never thought of it like that. Is this somebody I will ever coach? Probably not. Could I, from the privileged position, that it wasn't me that was standing in that line behind the cash register, it was him. He was in the functional role. I could do something with the skills and tools and insights that I have. How can we use that more when we see these things happening around us? Mm. That's the question that I'm sitting in. When we as coaches say relationship matters, I want for us to really, really look at the places where we may or may not be walking the talk of that. I love that example. I think it speaks to how easily we get trapped in seeing people for their functions. Yes. Almost as if we're human doings and the people around us in our worlds are there to, to sort of offer us some kind of functional service. And sometimes it can feel like that as a coach. You're there as a function for this other person on the other side of the screen. But when we get trapped in that functional space, it, it just becomes, well, it becomes lost and without relationship. And yeah. as we know, relationship really does matter. And when we lean in in the little and the big ways, and I think I'm I'm definitely guilty of this, that it's easier sometimes to lean in when I've got my coach role on, because that's my job, yes. than it is when I'm really tired and I've done a lot of work in the supermarket. And yet when I do, my gosh, it's so rewarding for me and for the other person. I think what you're talking about is really so important, Katie, because it is in my functional role as coach or CEO, there often is fatigue because we need to help hold it. Yeah. Uh, from a systems-inspired coaching perspective, it is the client's agenda that we navigate that will help solve it. But we are holding it. Uh, and sometimes it can be fatiguing. If I can just think about the gentleman that was behind the cash register, was in his functional role, and the attack came at him even though he wasn't even there. In that moment, I don't have to be a coach. I can simply step into my human role and use and leverage the privilege that I have in that moment to bring positivity and understanding. And that is what I would love to see more of us as coaches doing on the street mm -hmm. and in different interactions like this. Yeah, and I notice when we get busy... That gets lost. So when I first moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was living, as you know, for three years, yes. um, initially I had quite a bit of time early on while we were settling and setting ourselves up. So I'd go around the, the grocery store, as it's called there, or the supermarket over here. And uh, I remember one time my husband, Dan, coming with me and he was like, you literally know everyone. So I'd go That's around right. and I'd meet everyone on my journey around the supermarket. I recently was reminded of that and I was rushing around London and I think London is a busy city so it yes. kind of brings that out in people and I realised I just hadn't looked up. I hadn't looked up at the That's people. It. What you've just said, it really is that even this psychologist that came up with a statement years back and I may not get it right but she said if we can simply look at one another as human beings and in our look convey, even if we don't say anything, 
if we can convey, I see you, I care about you, you're good enough. How do we occupy that in our own body and being? In a situation like that, mm. where that's not always the case. No, and it can be thankless work stacking shelves. That's right. Not so obvious. Um, like coaching, sometimes we get a lot of love and support from our clients and it can be quite That's right. uh, full of gratitude. And so I wonder how far something like I see you goes. I wonder how far that ripples out into the world. I would love, I think that if there's for me personally a new mission and vision, it is about that. It is, mm. yes, all the contribution to be done on a corporate level, on a coaching industry level, on all of that. But from that personal system of self that is me, how much change and kindness and positivity can I help facilitate in a world that is in crisis because there's not enough of that. Mm. And there are places where I won't be able to. But that's what I lo would love for everybody that's listening to just think about. Where is it that I can bring more of that? Where is it that my skills and privilege can be leveraged? Not because there's payment for it mm. or not because I was the leader of a successful project, but because I was a human being for whom relationship matters on the street. And I think that contributes to what Gottman statistic around the positive to negative ratios are cha ever changing. And it's like, there now needs to be at least five to one, even during conflict. Just think about the world. We're nowhere near that as people. We're not. In our work with one another. And I think this builds off what we were saying in another session about how Sometimes as coaches, when we're not doing the work enough ourselves and we forget that actually it starts with system one, system me as coach. And it's short-sighted right. for us to think, oh, well, I'm doing good in the world. I'm a coach. And then go out into the world and not actually bring any of that to the rest of the communities you're in. Not walking the talk. Yes, absolutely. Well, and there's something else that is a secondary piece of this that also I don't know I'm 99.9% sure that that's not why I'm doing it. That's not why you are doing what you just described. But there is something about how it gives back to us. That's actually part of what we're describing here at the moment is what they are talking about in the longevity studies as a social construct. A social construct is the most important researched finding about what creates and what supports longevity. And social contract is these kinds of interactions with people that we don't know. Yeah. So it plays into some of that as well. What you're making me realize as well is, is curiosity is key because I think sometimes we can see people for their roles and not realize that roles belong to the system. And then for some reason, maybe it's busyness, maybe it's short-sightedness, whatever. We're not curious. We feel like there's nothing to learn there and that we know yes. who that person is. And my mother always used to embarrass me when I was growing up because she'd make friends with everyone at the supermarket and she'd find out everything about them. And uh, there's something, it's a superpower now I see that as because yes. to actually go in and be like, who are you? Tell me about who you are beyond your job that's title it. and all of these boxes we put people in. That yes. is, I mean, that's the coach approach on the street right there. I think so. I think so. Uh, it really is that there are times when I, when I've been in difficult situations and I know that if I stay at home feeling the way I feel at the moment, 
Faith, my partner, will become the target because it will become about her, but it isn't. So those are the times that I say to Faith, Faith, I'm not fit for human consumption. I'm taking the dog for a walk. But I also, so the dog gets a walk and I get out. But so often I actually will go either to the post office where I collect mail and send something away or to the grocery store supermarket bent on and committed to make contact with human beings in a way that will bring positivity because I know that's one of the things that shifted for me as well. So I think that there is something, it does go both ways, but the impact, uh, and again, we talk about global impact, we talk about corporate impact when we do coaching, but if we just look at the examples that you just used, the impact organizationally within that store is massive. Mm. And that is simply because we were kind human beings for whom a relationship matter. I think this is also, there's a part of what we do as coaches, which is helping people to see different parts of themselves. Yes. And I noticed this at a networking drinks I was invited to, and there were some young grads there in finance and uh, they were quite shy and they're just like, oh, giving me their job titles. And then they happened to mention where they were from and one was from Japan and one was from Singapore. And uh, I asked this question. I was like, so, you know, what parts of your culture from Singapore do you bring to the UK and what do you find different? And then suddenly there was this sort of group and it was the team and they were starting to have this different kind of conversation with each other. Even though they'd been together at that point for 10 months, they didn't know each other in this way. That's right. And I didn't realise that's me kind of being a coach, but just having a conversation in a... I guess, a different way than people tend to. Yeah, and I sometimes don't know, I'd be really curious about this. I sometimes also don't know how much these interactions that you and I describe and talk about at the moment impacts the company culture of that store Mm. because it does go back to meetings. There was another story. I could do a whole podcast just telling (laughs) stories, but won't do that. But there was this another event, that incident that happened where Faith read me something that she saw on Facebook by an interaction between a shopper and somebody in the store, the cashier, that made me think of something. So the next time I went, I was in a line where clearly the cashier were fairly new because she had somebody behind her that she would turn to and ask a question. So she was in training. And also it says there, uh, cashier in training. The woman that was packing the grocery bags at that stage also was new because she at some stage looked at the cashier and say, shall I use two bags for this? Because I've given her a bunch of bags. And the cashier said, yes, you've got plenty of bags. So clearly both of them were in training. So when I was done, uh, just before they cashed out, I said, wait, 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 stop for a moment. I Could you tell me what is your favorite sweet? Because I need to buy sweets for somebody. And, you know, I don't often buy sweets. So, and she looked at me and she said, oh, <laughs> but let's just say Snickers. She said, oh, Snickers are just the best. And I said, great. And they were there four for five bucks. So I got four Snickers bars and I put it down there. So she cashed it all out. And then when it all was done, before they could pack the Snickers bar, I grabbed that and said, no, wait, wait. I want to give two of the bars to you and thank you for the job Uh that you do as a cashier. And I want to give two to you and thank you for packing my bags. And both of them looked horrified. And I said, no, we can't take it. I said, sure you can. I paid for it. I can do with it what I, yeah, sure you can. Mm. And I said, no, 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 wait, I don't know that we can take anything from customers. And she called the manager across 
And as he came walking, he was sort of smiling at me and said, but he was serious and said, what's going on? She said, this customer wanted to give us sweets <laughs> and I don't know, we can take it. And he said, did you pay for it? And he was sort of holding that tone and she said, yes. And he burst out laughing and he said, take it. This is the woman that I've been talking to you about. <laughs> so there was something probably of a positive account or recounting. So I think it does make a difference as well. And again, do we do it for that? Partly because it's a positive experience for us as well, but it makes a difference. And it's also such a great training ground. I often hear from new coaches that they want new clients, they want more clients and they can't practice the work. And yet really we're surrounded by systems. And if you want to practice meta skills, there's no better place than taking in That's playfulness it. to a supermarket or That's curiosity it. to a, a work drink. That's it. That's it. And then there are the other places. This is probably the last example from this one. <laughs> there's another place where our skills and privilege and tools really are needed. Mm. I was standing behind a husband and wife checking out and the things that were on the counter were more festive things. There were flowers, there was a birthday cake, but the husband could barely hold himself together. He was, you know, he was in tears. The wife was sort of holding together, but you could see that she was also really down. And the cashier, which was somebody that I've had previous interactions with, looked at, at the uh, wife and said, are you okay? And the wife said, no, actually I'm not. Our son was shot at a party that he went to three weeks ago. And today is his birthday. Now we understood what the flowers is about and the birthday cake. And by, you know, I said to her, I'm really sorry to hear that. And what a great idea to celebrate his birthday. And she was now in tears as well. And I said, you know, one of the things that might be useful to remember is that in consensus reality, this world that we're living in at the moment, he is no longer here. But in essence and in dreaming, which is where you are doing this, buying the cake, but he will never leave you. He's still here. She looked at me and she said, I've never thought of it like that. And as they were cashing her out, the cashier said, we buy the cake and the flowers mm-hmm. and didn't charge her for it. That is the privilege that we have to be able to, in a situation like that, even though we're not training them. And I was like, Do, would there even be an understanding in this place of essence and dream? But there was, she got it because there was an emotional something that she got. Mm. We have so much that we can offer if we just open our eyes, look around and do one small act of kindness in service of relationship matters out there on the street where people are in need and we may never see them again but what's that one thing that's ours to give and how might that ripple out in some way that we'll never know but we have to trust it does you are back to the law of Mm non-locality what happens in one place already makes a difference somewhere else and one of the, you know, and then there's always the retrospective. I keep on sitting with the, the story that I told way in the beginning about the woman that slammed down her mug and what was going on. Mm. And what I put together was that probably she loaded her car, went to the uh, went home, unpacked everything and missed the bottle of milk. And she came back and that's what happened. And I'm sitting in, what is it? 
that I could have done differently. It happened so fast. But is there something in a situation like that that I could have done to ease something for her as well? But we can't touch all the dots and cross all the T's and but find out which other ones that we can. Mm. This makes me think um you said last time about is systems inspired and fill in the blank. And I wonder whether this is systems inspired living. And it doesn't mean that we get it right. That's we're it. inspired by every moment and interaction. I think you're right. I think this is what I mean when I say that I hope that in two decades, what we hold to be coaching is part of human interaction out there. Not intentionally coaching anybody, but using that which we have that gives us the privilege of being able to sit in these situations without being reactive and soothe, be kind. It sounds, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? But it's not easy as we know. Now, as long as each one of us today start doing the pieces that's ours to do. The pieces that are ours to do. And gosh, there's so many systems out there. I know. And the ripple effect excites me, I think, more around this than it does in some of the big corporate work that I do because we, we don't know how far this will go. We don't know I how know. wide this could stretch. And I know, I know. Imagine I if know. this was the new paradigm for living. My gosh. I know. We would all be less lonely and the sense of belonging would drastically increase. Mm. And I think that is what it's about because I there's a whole other podcast if I think about what is it that creates the violence, the upsetness. Some of this is the antidote. Mm. We forget that we're human. Yeah, where we can find the access points. Yeah. It was such a beautiful discussion, Rita. It's uh, left me with a lot to ponder on. And I'm going to do my best to be systems inspired in my living tomorrow. I, I would say today, but it's pretty late where I am, as you know, and it's just my husband. So I'll try and be uh, systems inspired when he gets well, home. Him. That's right. That's right. Um, and thank you. Thank you. The conversation really has awakened even me as I go out today beyond my coaching engagements to, and I love the looking up and seeing that you brought to look up and see and validate. What was that you said? See someone else. See see me. I see I see you. See you. I value you. You are enough. Mm. Gosh, that's gorgeous. Thank you. I know. How do I bring that to my facial expression, even as a danger type? How do I bring that to the tube uh, during rush hour? There you <laughs> 7 go. 7am on a go. Tuesday morning. I'll give uh, it a go. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And pick the places where you can do it. I think that's the other piece. Uh, yeah. Not every mountain is mine to climb. Mm, so right. pick the places where you can do it, where it's available. Thank you, Marita. As always, it was a delight. And uh, take care. You'd had me quite emotional. And thank you, Katie. Wonderful as always. Bye, Marita. Let's go and change it out there. <laughs> Bye. Thanks to Marita for the wonderful stories that beautifully illustrated how we can all bring more of an ORSC approach to our everyday lives. Here are my key takeaways. When we aren't wearing a coaching hat, how do we leverage our tools and skills on the street? Or when someone delivers a package or at the grocery store? What can we bring that shifts our community systems a little bit in the direction of positivity? We don't have to necessarily be a coach on the street, but if we can step more into our human role through the competencies and skills coaching gives us, we can start to see more of the human beings in front of us. How do we share with our whole being 
that we see someone else? How much change, kindness and positivity can I help to facilitate in a world in crisis because there isn't enough of that? Where is it that I can bring more of that? Where is it that my skills and privilege can be leveraged? Not because I was paid for it or because I was a leader of a successful project, but because I am a human being for whom relationship matters when I'm on the street. In my next conversation with Marita, we will be building on this conversation with an episode called Family is the Final Exam. So look out for that wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Matters podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues and friends so that we can continue to spread these ideas across the globe. And if you haven't already, do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. And for more information on the ORS courses, please visit crrglobal.com. For over 20 years, CRR Global has accompanied leaders, teams and practitioners on their journey to stronger relationships by focusing on the relationship itself, not only the individuals occupying it. This leads to a community of change makers around the world. Supported by a global network of faculty and partners, we connect, inspire and equip change agents to shift systems one relationship at a time. We believe relationship matters, from humanity to nature to the larger whole.